Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 117 with Lily Trong of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My fellow founders, startup founders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, aspiring entrepreneurs, just all you awesome people around the world taking the time listening to this podcast. Hello and welcome and thank you so much for your time and attention and sharing your earbuds with me. Now, as I mentioned in the last episode, We're mixing things up. We're doing a six to seven week crowdfunding series. This is episode number two of the crowdfunding series. And the reason that we're doing this is we need to understand what it takes to build and launch a successful crowdfunding campaign because we're one week away from the launch of the founder version 1.0 coffee table book and we're crowdfunding it on Kickstarter. Go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-Mag.com forward slash book to make sure you get in early. You sign up to be notified. This goes live November 15th and we're researching and speaking to a ton of people that have absolutely crushed their crowdfunding campaigns. So we can do the same. We'd love your help. We'd love your support. If you do enjoy these episodes, if you do enjoy the magazine, if you do enjoy any of our content, you are going to love this book. It's going to be beautifully designed, hardcover, die cut. It's not going to be like a regular coffee table book with just photos. It's going to be packed full of actionable gold. So we are one week away from this campaign. I'm so excited. I cannot uh, tell you guys how much of a fun project this has been for me and the team. And you're getting, you know, behind the scenes 
uh, how we're researching, how we're finding out what works. You guys can listen in and you'll see how we're going to implement a lot of what you're going to hear in this crowdfunding series of podcast episodes. So today we speak to Lily Trong and uh, she's the founder of a company called Ototip and uh, they raised over $77,000 and uh, they did an amazing job, a brilliant execution, uh, a lot of telltale stories that I know you're going to learn from and I don't know, I'm thinking the more and more you guys hear these uh, crowdfunding interview series episodes, you're probably going to want to do a crowdfunding campaign yourself because I can tell you what, it is so much fun. Um, so we are trying to solve a real problem in the startup space. I've never seen a book like this that what we're working on. Uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing. You know, interviews and insights from Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Gary V. So guys, please, please, please do go sign up, foundermag.com forward slash book. You'll be the first to get in line if you do sign up to get all the perks, all the discounts, because uh, they'll. I, I hope they're going to go fast with the tactics and strategies you're going to hear right now. So as I mentioned, we are a week away from the Founder Version 1.0 book campaign, Kickstarter campaign going live. It goes live November 15th. If you are listening to this episode uh, and it's just launched, please do check it out. We're a week away from recording this episode and from the release date. Please do go check out the campaign. Please do sign up. All right, now let's jump to the show. You mentioned um, you had some battle scars to share. Can we start off with that, like your biggest struggles with the campaign? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the, the things about a campaign is that, you know, you might have the best idea ever, um, you know, in a really beautiful page, but if people can't discover it, then they won't know that the, you know, the project that you're working on actually exists. And so without that, I guess the discovery aspect, you won't be able to get your story out there to all the interested backers who would really benefit from your product or service. And in our case, it was a product because we we're making the ear cleaning product. Ultimately, I think the success of every campaign depends on being able to successfully get the right kind of traffic to the page, you know, the users that would actually benefit from your, your solution. And, and so I think the, the greatest struggle with the campaign is just making sure that, you know, as a small company or a small team that you have limited time and money um, to run this campaign. And you want to avoid investing your limited time and money on the things that ultimately don't end up helping increase that metric, which is increasing your campaign traffic page. So what recommendations based on your experience with Ototip would you give around driving traffic to the campaign page? I think uh, the PR piece of it is really important. Getting access to the bloggers and the web publications um, are also even physical publications if you have enough time or TV exposure um, so that your story can really get out to the public and everyone out there who's looking for um, these solutions who might want to back your campaign. Um, and so I think they're so kind of related to the, you know, the PR piece and because press is so important, you know, you ask, like, how do you get around to, to getting this press? And one of the, you know, traditional ways that some campaigns have done it is they hire a PR firm. Um, and one of the battles that I really have is to be weary of those who haven't specialized in crowdfunding campaigns because mm -hmm. everyone will kind of tell you, oh, we're, you know, of course we can hit you. Everyone, uh, well, everyone wants your money, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
So <laughs> everyone will tell you, oh, we, you know, we guarantee the success of this campaign. But, you know, they'll say they'll guarantee it, but they won't ever get that in writing. Um, or they'll say, oh, you know, we're confident that we'll be able to do it. So you, you, so you might want to enlist the help of a, a PR firm. Um, I think if you choose to go down that route, my suggestion would be to make sure that you do a lot of due diligence on them and really check their referrals. Um, because, you know, one, they might not have the expertise to actually do the kind of PR work for crowdfunding specific projects. So I would ask them what kind of, you know, if you can get, get a list of prior uh, crowdfunding campaigns that they've done successfully. Mm-hmm. So then the caveat to that is that you also have, the, the reason why I really suggest that you do the background checks and the referrals is that, you know, they might give you um, some names of campaigns, but we had an incident actually where they kind of showed us um, a, a campaign that they had done, uh, claiming that they had done, uh, you know, had successfully gotten all the, the press coverage for this campaign. And um, I went on LinkedIn um, and actually connected with that particular founder who had that company. And it turned out that that person had never even heard of this firm. So, oh, wow. yeah, so there are incidences like that. Um, and I don't think that I am, you know, the only one who has experienced things like that. And so I would just caution, uh, I, I guess, you know, to uh, suggest that people really do their, their research before signing on the PR firm because that will get really expensive. So um, that's one piece of it. So actually my, you know, what I found to be really wonderful is just kind of a do-it-yourself um, PR because I really believe that no one cares about your campaign more than you will. Um, because you know, PR firms might just send out a list and then they'll see you know, how many hits they get, but they're not gonna be you know, working on this every single day trying to, to get the, the coverage for you. So um, I guess I have a few tips for do-it-yourself PR. So okay. the, first thing, <laughs> the first thing is to get all your friends and family early on to build the momentum to let them know that you're getting ready to do the campaign. And so when the day comes that you click the live button, that they'll be your initial push to build that early momentum and have them do the early tweeting and you know the Facebook posts and drawing the traffic that you can reach with your own personal network. And then what I found to be really useful is also being able to write a, a short, just a short pitch about your story, which is you know about five to eight sentences. And if you can actually go and just upgrade your LinkedIn account to the premium account during the campaign period, then what that allows you to do is you get a certain number of, I guess, essentially cold messages that you can send. And if you have a list of reporters, you can send your little five to eight sentence pitch to these reporters that specifically uh, cover your, you know, your, your space that you're in. So if you're in health, you would look for reporters that cover health, or if you're in tech, you would look for reporters that cover tech. And um, the little trick there is that those messages that you, that you are, um, are sending actually go directly to that, um, to their, their Gmail inbox. So they have a little bit higher chance of getting, you know, getting read. And if your pitch actually resonates with the reporter, you can get coverage that way. Oh, wow. And you were quite successful with that strategy. Yeah, I was able to get um, some coverage on um, uh, MedCity News through, through that method. Because um, I kind of said, oh, you know, and, and this is also, you know, some of all my advice also comes from talking to a lot of other people who run campaigns as well. And so this is one of the, the tactics that they used. Um, and then lastly, I would say just, you know, as an entrepreneur, one of the most important assets that you can have is just your ability to hustle. So some of the times, um, you know, it's really about leveraging your entire network 
um, that you have your friends and family, your advisors um, to get the warm intros to anyone in, you know, who might know someone who would be interested in covering your story. And it could just be with a small blog, but it's, you know, if it's very targeted, if you're creating a, um, um, a health product and, you know, it's catered towards, you know, towards babies. And if you can get a really prominent um, mommy blogger to write about you, you can get really get a great exposure um, for your story that way. And I think you'd be really surprised where it comes from. And, and sometimes it's hard to predict exactly how everything's connected. So you kind of just have to hustle and just talk to absolutely everybody. So um, one really interesting story that I had, one of the coverages that we got in um, the TechCrunch article actually came from me talking to just um, my friend who was over in, so I'm, I'm, I'm based here out of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend who uh, just about my campaign and kind of get her to contribute to it. And then she, um, she was based over in Korea and it just turns out that she, the next day was having coffee with her friend who used to work in the advertising space. And that, so she told that friend about the campaign, she ended up um, contributing and then she thought it was really interesting. And so she said, Oh, I actually know this reporter over at TechCrunch over, um, you know, in Korea and that cascaded. Um, so that reporter then thought the story might be interesting to this other reporter who did cover that and that's and then two days later, I got an interview with that um, that reporter, and it was on TechCrunch the next day. So wow. it's, it's unbelievable just how far you can get with just you, you just can't see the, all the connections. So you just kind of start talking about your campaign during that period with everybody. Wow, that, yeah, this is great. Um, I'm curious, how long did planning take? So um, we spent about one month to make the video. Um, to create the graphics and also to um, write all the, you know, the copy for all the text in the, um, on the Indiegogo page. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that took about one month. And in retrospect, since I was kind of how I started saying that the PR piece was really important, uh, I would want, if I could go back in time, I would add an extra month just to prepare the PR piece, you know, have a little bit more time to show, um, come, come up with a better list of reporters and, bloggers and um, just having a lot more time to prepare that outreach plan. I see. And in the end, um, just to touch on the PR piece, I take you didn't go with the PR agency. We did go through the, a particular PR agency, um, you know, and they got us zero coverage. So (laughs) I'm saving other people a lot of time and money, (laughs) but everything that I did under the do it yourself uh, PR ended up, you know, being really the key to the success of the campaign. Let's talk about effective sales copy. Mm-hmm. Do you have any strategies around that or any strategies around structuring the page? I know a lot of campaigners use infographics. They run competitions. Um, anything anything there that you would like to touch on? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that's really nice about sharing the product story is actually investing a lot of time in making a, uh, a good video that, um, and I think a good video, you know, tells a story in a way where your potential backers can actually imagine themselves using your product and can, you know, have some emotional connection to your product. And so if you've told a good story, um, then I think that that means you have uh, an effective video. So I, we spent a lot of time on, you know, planning the script and, and things like that. Um, it's also nice to have some photos of the prototype of your device on, on the page. Um, just so backers kind of know at what stage of development your your device is at, and um, you know, and I also suggest with the the photos to take a few photos of 
of a user actually holding your device so that they you can once again, similar to the video, tell the story of how it's supposed to integrate into their everyday life. You know, really how how would someone use this use this device? Um, and then from more of a technical standpoint, I think one of the things that we kept in mind we, um, is that you want to cater to the different ways that people take in information. So that's, you know, some people are more visual. So that's actually why we created the infographics and the graphics for people who kind of hop from just the, the graphics. Um, we have, but that doesn't mean we didn't have any text. We actually had really great um, text for those who are more of the reader types who like to read through the text. And then there's also a subset of people who really enjoy watching videos. And so if you look at our page, you know, if you just hopped through from video to video to video, you're still going to get the same story told to you as if you just decided to scratch all the videos and see graphic, 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 um, or just read the text by itself. And so that's one of the things that we, we kept in mind that, you know, people do take information in, in different ways and you want the story to be able to resonate um, through all those three mediums. And around the perks, was there anything that you did that you think was out of the ordinary or attributed to the success that you had with the campaign? I don't think I have anything too different from other campaigns in the perk. I kind of like, I, one of the things I did for that was to look at other campaigns and how they kind of tiered their perks mm-hmm. and just kind of, um, you know, rewarding your early backers with a, if you're offering a product, for example, that you would offer the, the, the earliest birds, um, a lower, you know, perk price than those who come in afterwards. But other than that, I, I can't think of anything too innovative on, on, on the perk side for our particular campaign. That's okay. How about, I'm also curious, how did you go about choosing the platform? Because it's, it's, a, it's a big debate, Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. Why did you choose Indiegogo? How, how did you evaluate that decision? I think um, at the time for us, it was a, it was, um, a pretty clear um, decision because Indiegogo was the only platform that allowed for personal health products. At the time, um, when I looked on the Kickstarter page, it, it, it said that, you know, we, they would not allow personal health products. So since ours is an ear cleaning system that, you know, we automatically thought you wouldn't qualify for it. So, and, and also, um, I think due to that differentiation, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if that still exists. So I think you'll have to, um, you know, look, look that up for me because I, I know that they recently changed some of their rules. But I think due to, to that slight slant, um, we saw that, you know, previous campaigns that had success in our same space, such as Scanadu or Lift Labs or another company called You Bio Me, you know, those were all in the health, you know, the, the health space and had a lot of success. And so that's why we chose the Indiegogo, camp, uh, Indiegogo platform. I see. And when it comes to your product or service, what do you think are the key attributes that are required? So when you're looking to successfully crowdfund a idea or project, what do you think are some of the key attributes that really resonate with people when it comes to having a product or service? For, for our product, since it is a health, um, a health-related product, my key question that I wanted to solve, uh, to ask myself was really, what does this product or a device do? And, what, you know, really, why would someone need this? 
you know, why would backers resonate with the story? What pain point are you really solving? And once you can answer that simple question, um, you can build your story around that. And um, one of the things I, you know, that we did with our Ototip campaign that we found to be really successful is that once you answer this question of why does someone need this or what pain point are you solving, that you actually go out and you test this story to see if it resonates with the people um, before you actually do the campaign. Because um, it will give you a little kind of a, a benchmark for whether or not it's worth doing a campaign on it, you know, or is it just you, the one person who thinks that it's a necessary product? So, um, so what we did was, um, you know, we were working on an alternative to the cotton swabs, a, a safer way, a safer and more convenient way to do ear cleanings. And so we went out and we created little cotton swab packs and put our little, you know, clear ear logo on it. And just kind of said, oh, like, did you know? And we went, we, what we did is we went out into the parks in San Francisco and we just kind of talked to strangers at the park. And we kind of had it because we had the pack of uh, cotton swabs, we were able to kind of say, um, you know, did you know that you, that Q tips actually push wax further in and, you know, that they can accidentally puncture your eardrum if you push them in too far? And that was a really great way for us to go out into the park and talk to potential backers and customers and really see if, you know, the story that we were telling them resonated with them. Like, were people concerned about this? And were they looking for an alternative? And then we had an opportunity to, to kind of show them what we were thinking about for our alternative. And so when you look at our page um, right now with the, the graphics and kind of uh, the key, key talking points that we highlight in our campaign page, it all comes from that little test period. Because you only have a limited amount of space on the page to talk about things. And so you want to hit on the most important things. Mm, that's really smart. I'm curious when you went out and, and talked to random people in the park, like really true hustle style, how long did you do that? How many people did you ask? I think for the test um, part, we only did like between probably like 40 people and that was enough. We spent just like a day, you know, a day or two in the park and that was enough. But I, I will um, caveat with this, you know, we had a pretty good hunch already that, you know, that was kind of the second stage of the test because uh, prior to that, I mean, we've been developing this product for, for over a year and it came out of, um, you know, out of, out of Stanford University when we we're um, students there. And so, you know, we have been in the space and like really understanding and talking to customers this entire time leading up mm -hmm. to running campaign as well. But that was um, kind of the like another kind of extra test before running the campaign. Yeah, it was like I guess the final or one of the final things to to I guess for you to validate your idea or your assumption that you can really do something with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well look, um, this this is great. We're getting a lot of really good stuff. You're sharing sharing some real gold, Lily. Um, I'm curious. Do you have any more general tips around running a successful campaign? And I'm going to ask you, yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to share that we haven't covered yet? Yes, I think I'll, you know, reiterate kind of, um, you know, if I was going to do top two to three general t tips, um, I would say first um, to, to figure out the story that you're telling around the product, you know, to, to make sure that that's a real need that people um, want solved and then to create the content around that so that includes the video and, and the, the graphics um, the photos um, because without a great story you know it's not going to resonate with with your backers and if you don't resonate with people you know you're not going to have a successful campaign 
Um, then I would say to, to plan and execute the PR outreach to actually get good coverage. Um, don't underestimate how important that is because I wish it were that easy that you could just have a great page and push the live button and then you know thousands, hundreds and thousands of people would just come to your page, but you really have to work to get, to get those eyeballs, I think. Um, and then the last one, which is probably the most important one, is to really just talk to others, anyone that you know who has already run a successful campaign and pick their brains. Um, because that's really where you know each person has different battle scars and has different experiences and things that they learned along the way. So they can give you, you know, I mean, they can kind of let you know what things to avoid and what things really did work for them so that you can kind of save your time. Um, so, you know, on, on that point, I, I'm more than happy to, you know, help any of your readers out on, on you know, on this topic. Um, I guess I, I really hope that more people can run successful campaigns. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. No problem. And then Nathan, I guess like the one other topic that wasn't in one of your questions is just a few kind of do-it-yourself ideas on kind of like when you're when you're actually launching your campaign. Let's say you don't have the you know all the the big PR kind of covered up uh, covered yet. Um, I think one of the things you can think about the timing of when you actually go live with your campaign. So some interesting ideas that I've seen other um, campaigns do is that they actually throw a little launch party with all their friends. So they get everyone together. And so, you know, a launch party could just literally be at someone's house or, you know, of course, an event space as well. And um, when they launch it, then everyone at that event will kind of put in their, their contribution at the exact same time. And they'll kind of give the boost um, in the momentum, the early momentum that I'm talking about. Um, another way to do that, if your product is something that, you know, maybe if you have an upcoming conference or a meetup that's happening and you happen to be on stage, um, I was giving a talk at the Digital Health Summit, and that's an opportunity when you have a lot of eyeballs once again to kind of announce that you're, that there is this campaign. So, you know, it's really when you're on stage or you have a party, you know, a, a large gathering of people that you can kind of get that initial boost. Yeah, no, that's great. Um Somebody did, it did come up with the launch parties a couple of times, but nobody said around the timing, which is, which makes sense, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can yeah. really leverage, leverage your time and how you're spending it. Yeah. It's definitely all comes down to investing your limited time and money in the right places. Okay. Well, look, you've been great, Lily. Um, we've got a lot from you and we've got some interesting Interesting perspectives too. Um, there was there's quite a few things that came up that uh, haven't came up yet. So yeah, look, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time. Oh no problem. It's my it's I, I'm I'm more than happy to. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. 
All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.